are now listening to Digital Doorways, where our audience learns from our expert guests as we explore their experiences with branding, transformation, and change. Unlock the digital doorways and embark on a journey of knowledge and growth. Now here is our host, Blue Text founder, Jason Siegel. Welcome to a special episode of Digital Doorways, your gateway to the ever-evolving landscape of technology, marketing, and innovation. In this exclusive episode, we're about to unveil the magic that happened when legends are brought to center stage by the incredible team at Best Day Ever. I'm your host, Jason Siegel, founder of Blue Text, and today we're taking you on a journey with the CEO of Best Day Ever, Patrick Luckett. Patrick is a visionary in the world of experiential marketing, known for his knack of crafting events that only not only capture high-quality leads, but also maximize returns on entertainment ticket investments by leading corporations. But what truly sets Best Day Ever apart is their unwavering commitment to excellence. And in this episode, we're going to hear about some really amazing events. You know, he's brought in like major league stars like PGA champion John Rahm, two-time Super Bowl winner Eli Manning, and these events showcase their unparalleled access and exceptional quality that Best Day Ever consistently delivers. At Digital Doorways, we're uncovered the secrets to elevate your corporate events, turning them into remarkable experiences that defy expectations. Join us in this special episode as we delve into the visionary mindset of Patrick, a truly trailblazer in the reshaping brand and marketing strategies into revenue-generating powerhouses. Stay tuned as we unravel the magic of best day ever in this episode of Digital Doorways, where legends shine and excellence is their standard. Welcome to Digital Doorways, Patrick. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jay. So I remember when I met you, you were talking to me about, I've got this exciting consultancy, big picture sports and entertainment. But what was even more interesting was you started talking to me about this product vision you had, and you kept referencing it as best day ever. And I remember saying to you, I was like, stop, I really think you should name your whole company best day ever. Big picture sports is interesting, but best day ever just like grabs your emotions. Give me the whole story. Share your story behind founding best day ever and your overall mission and what you're trying to achieve for your enterprise clients. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, we probably owe you a few favors for that pivot in branding because um, the amount of compliments and just remarks we've gotten on our brand name since that since that rebrand has been pretty, pretty remarkable, but yeah, let's take it back. I mean, you know, um, it's not exactly the sexy started in a garage startup story, but it probably rings true to a number of our listeners and other founders and aspiring entrepreneurs. So, you know, we spun best day ever out of a boutique biz dev consulting shop. And at the time we were charged with running top funnel lead gen for organizations with a ideal customer profile, uh, fortune 500 decision makers. One of our clients, NRG Energy, big utility energy company, largest integrated power company in the country, they had entered into like a dozen or so seven-figure category-exclusive sponsorships with, you know, some NFL, some NBA, some Major League Baseball, um, large, you know, professional sports properties. 
And the marketing was performing pretty well at the time. They were trying to become a, a larger green power, solar, wind, renewable energy company. Um, but they were really having trouble utilizing all of the corporate hospitality assets that they had received in their, in their sponsorship packages. And so we dove in and we found that, you know, combining hospitality with business development methodologies, it not, it not only drove high levels of utilization, but it optimized that utilization towards like real achievable, you know, recordable business outcomes. And, you know, all this while driving pipeline con uh, conversions. So, you know, that led us to spin off our agency and, and focus on B2B organizations. Um, you know, it, previously, sponsorship marketing had largely been been recorded and measured by the marketing capabilities. But here we were tracking deal flow data, attributable ROI. It was a real one plus one equals three moment. And so now we've added a number of new offerings, but our approach to deliver, you know, this type of KPI focused hospitality remains at the core of all of them. And I remember when you talked to me a little bit about like, how often have you bought a season of tickets and going into month two, it's like crickets when you're looking for some of your enterprise sales folks to bring some more of their pipeline. And there's just like tons of waste there. And it was really enlightening to see that you've got this process to really make sure that the right prospect gets the right ticket at the right time. And fast forward, we start, you know, I'm watching you grow this business. And then a small thing called COVID hits the world. And I remember just sitting there when I realized the world is about to change forever. And after I realized all my family and my children and everyone's safe, I started reflecting on business. And it was weird, but the only two people that I kept thinking most about in business were named Patrick. <laughs> Patrick Smith, the CMO of Cvent, the world's largest event software company, a longtime client, and Patrick Luckett, someone who I was so excited for his experiential business and doing this amazing thing in suites at all these NFL stadiums. And I'm thinking, what do they do in an eventless world? So how did COVID and the pandemic impact the business? And what strategies did you implement to be the ultimate pivoter and thriver? Yeah. Um, well, I appreciated your thoughts then. And, um, you know, that was a tough time. We we started an events business and all of a sudden events were canceled. Not just that, but we were focused in sports and entertainment and, you know, canceled the NCAA tournament, NBA season canceled, the NFL going to do a full season without anyone in the stands. Uh, looking back, it was kind of a miracle the NFL even put on their season during that time. Um, you know, listen, we we were fortunate that we had some clients that had locked, we had locked up into larger consulting deals to manage their hospitality. And, and for those customers, you know, we were able to achieve a couple of things. The first is acting on their behalf and, and working with their sponsored partners. We were able to come up with a number of creative alternative tactics to engage customers and, you know, utilizing different virtual events and, and giveaways and cameos of players and coaching staff and alumni. Uh, we were able to repurpose and maintain some close ties on behalf of our our clients with their customers and prospects. And then two, perhaps more importantly, because we were so religious about tracking utilization and, and the amount of value that we were driving through the hospitality components, we were able to negotiate, you know, a credit on future payments, well over seven figures for our clients due to the lost value from the pandemic. And to this date, you know, I don't, I haven't heard of anyone else getting that type of, um, 
of uh, concession from from team partners and you know I think it's a testament not just to the relationship that we we have with these team partners but um, to the amount of effort that went in before you know just kind of being ready for uh, this type of climate um, that being said you know new business was kind of at a halt because of what we you know what our offering was and uh, there just wasn't a lot of product going around at, at that point for in-person events so we did pivot pretty hard in the virtual events. And, you know, we started launching a ton of them. We became really intimately familiar with a number of different video conferencing platforms, which Cvent being one of them, uh, and, and, you know, what their features and benefits were, cost structures, and, and how quickly we could we deploy, uh, you know, how quickly could we launch an event on behalf of one of our clients if they already had an existing subscription with them. And then, you know, another great pivot or another great feature of, uh, of this time, kind of looking back, is that you know we start celebrity talent and appearances it's just we, there was just an influx in the market everyone was available to make an appearance and you know the rates were were heavily uh, discounted at this time and so we were booking folks left and right and building relationships with some of the country's biggest and best marketing agents um, which stand today as some of our key strategic partners now the integration of marketing and sales is you know critical and I'm in tons of big enterprise sales meetings and planning sessions. And not until I met you did I hear the word gamification <laughs> played out in the same conversation as how are we going to achieve our business development results? Talk to us about the importance of gamification and engagement and how that works with business development in the corporate hospitality industry. Yeah. You know, we have a saying at Best Day Ever that the days of observation are gone. Everybody wants to participate now. And and that's increasingly true when you're looking to plan an exceptional experience for your most valuable stakeholders. And engagement can take many forms. You know, we, we use utilize gamification. It's it's great when possible because it's just human nature to enjoy competition and seeing your name on a leaderboard. Uh, but that's actually not the only way to get this done. You know, providing access to something unacceptable accessible is a great strategy. You can go backstage, go on the field, sit 50 yard line in a luxury suite. Um, but if cost is a concern, then just think about little surprise and delight features that are personalized and curated within a larger event experience. Um, you know, just a quick example, one event we were doing, we were working with a, a former all NBA basketball player, and we got them to record a message greeting for each person attending our event. We then worked with the hotel and had those messages loaded up to the hotel room so that the blinking light was was flashing on their on their phone when they first checked in. They walk into their hotel room, welcome gift sitting on the bed, a custom jersey with their last name on it. They click the little flashing light and, you know, a, a greeting from an all NBA Hall of Famer saying, welcome to the weekend. We're excited to have you. I mean, you, you try and layer in these little snackable rewards for folks we utilize gamification because it's a Trojan horse to do so, but it doesn't have to be the only way. Yeah, and gamification and a lot of what you do, it triggers the the interaction with a lot of sensories and often in how you build brand recall uh, or message recall is the more you could feel it, touch it, smell it, uh, vibe, you know, the way it vibrates or touches around you, the more sensories the more that people are going to remember things. Now, that's creating a really uh, engaging 
uh, audience. Now, there's another piece that you're doing that's quite brilliant, which is how you leverage data to enhance event engagement. Can you talk about your role in that and how you use CRM technology and data to enhance event engagement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we track just about everything we possibly can. And uh, it's crucial for us to be able to tell an entire story when it comes to our events. And not only that, but optimize the the future use of events, right? Um, It comes down to really understanding our clients' goals and outcomes. We we spend a lot of time, we use different frameworks to ask the right questions and and even make those questions personal and figure out what would be a win for the person sitting on the other side of this. You know, um, ultimately, we want to make sure that our data is pointed and fired at the KPIs that they're going to be judged against. Organizationally, we want to be able to speak apples to apples with the CFO and any other executives that may be judging the efficacy of our programs. And so contact data, uh, snackable, you know, anecdotal data from sales folks in the event. Um, if we use gamification, how are we then leveraging the reward process of that? Uh, and then all of that getting kind of scooped up and synced into whichever CRM or MarTech platform that our, our clients are using. We want to make sure that that's synced and as close to real time in the path that's possible, the shortest possible path available to us. Um, so that we are enabling good practices on the sales side and also reporting in the same landscape and building dashboards for our clients in the same landscape that they're already using. Um, and, and it kind of leaves out any gray area. Uh, again, that uh, that allows us to report kind of at a next level for which events are working and which ones aren't. And then based on that, we're able to make more informed resource decisions for which um, which events we want to go after in the future which ones we should cut if, if, again, if budget's a concern. Yeah, that is always a big decision. And, you know, as I reflect back on this past year, at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of buzz of we're committed to events and we're so disappointed at who's showing up and we're not really getting the ROI that we were hoping. And then I've gone to a series of events recently, a bunch of Gartner symposiums and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the uh, AUSA um, army event down in Washington, DC. And man, it is just elbow to elbow. The, you know, it's like at an all time new high of density. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, that's what I'm seeing. You're, you're really a trend spotter because you are really out there. Uh, what trends do you see emerging in the field of hospitality and event management considering we're back? We're back. Yeah, it's um, it's nice to be back. I think that, you know, there's always going to be or there has been and will continue to be a proliferation of new and unique ways to build favor with your target audience segments. That's really our bread and butter is let's engage the right people at the right place at the right time so that we can we can drive conversions. However, you define conversions. Um you know, you're going to see more and more innovative and dynamic venues come on market to to offer and and um, kind of turnkey solutions for these dynamic and, and innovative events. Um, and all of these features are going to come together and allow you to pull levers that you know you you may not have otherwise even considered, so that you can curate these really cool experiences for your for your guests. And it's funny, you know, we're as a, as a company, we like to start a little book club. And right now we're reading zero to one by uh, Peter Thiel. 
And these are fun, you know, one to end moments that we're, we're witnessing in the hospitality and customer engagement space. I think the zero to one, like for so many other industries, is going to be this whole AIML GPT-4 instances. And, um, you know, we're seeing the learning curve shorten for so many users to become power users of this. And uh, I think the applications of this are not only going to help people execute events in a new dynamic really exciting way, but also measure them, right? And uh, I think that's something that we're really proud about doing. We've, we've started to incorporate it here. And, uh, you know, we we think that our ROI reporting is second to none, and it's going to enable us to, to really exploit not just, you know, which events are, are working, but how they're working, and then which people to invite to future events. You'll see an entire landscape and dashboard for folks to really centralize their hospitality programming. And, and, just be more certain that it's working. Yeah. And the interesting thing that I've uh, been fascinated about your business is, you know, a lot of marketing firms, you know, you're in the experiential event, um, more focused in brand and digital. But when you look at these uh, different ways of going to market and the services you offer and how much you control you have over the end success, like for example, with me, I'm bringing the horse to water on a lot of opportunities. Here's thousands of leads, Mr. Enterprise Software Company, but their salespeople need to close the deal. Their mm -hmm. product needs to really help close the deal. And, you know, in the services business, there's there's always a challenge as to when where do you stop? You get deep into technology. How far do you eventually say, I'm sorry, Mr. Client, I can't go that deep into your whatever X infrastructure. And where I look at you, you go all the way deep into strategic business development consulting, where it's not just creating an event that really helps your salespeople. You're really priming the pump and softening the beach, whatever analogy you want, <laughs> where you're allowing your own people to really uh, the approach of strategic business development consulting for your clients really helps force the full funnel and the ROI in the end. Talk to us a little bit how you've extended out into strategic business development and the consulting around that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's cliche, but it's true. We can't add value as a business development consultant if we don't understand the organization that we're working with, their current abilities and landscape. And I'm sure that's not too dissimilar to your world, Jay, on on the upper funnel side, but in our world, we're really trying to make sure that deal gets closed, right? And an event, a properly run event, customer engagement event, it should be so targeted that by the end of it, you're talking about where do I sign? Um, we utilize Porter's Five Forces as a framework, at least in onboarding, to understand our client's strategic positioning, how they make money. Uh, and then again, we really want to understand what is those what are those KPIs that this individual in their department that we're working with is going to be going to be judged against. Um, and then we arm our staff with that, right? Like knowledge is power. We really want to make sure that everyone that's going to be touching this event understands from a macro standpoint, what's the value in this event, what we should be, why we should be putting these things together the way they're being put together. Um, and, uh, and we arm them with that so that when they're hosting and having conversations, they're able to, uh, you know, 
sound intelligent, right? Carry on the conversation. We, it's a big part of our hiring process to make sure that folks that are in that room uh, don't feel like it's too big and can have conversations on behalf of our clients with the end users. All that being said, you know, there's certain clients that um, we're able to do this for really successfully. And then there's others that um, their sales folks are comfortable and, and feel that they want to be the ones managing the entirety of the relationship. And, and that's fine because we're still able to work collaboratively as a business development consultant that's focused on, uh, on the event side of things and, and turning these things around for them in a turnkey process so that they can show up and focus on the relationship while we manage all the logistics of the event. And then uh, just real quick, I think on the, on the last piece of this is we do offer a lot of business development consulting for organizations that are looking to uh, sell into the sports and entertainment world. That's because we've built such a, a, a network of, of venues and, and properties that enable us to be a path of least resistance for these folks, right? We understand kind of the buying processes and cycles that go into these stadiums and venues and, and, uh, and teams and properties. So ultimately that's something that, you know, we feel like we're a little bit of a, 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 a change agent and an amplifier for these folks. Um, so that, that one kind of comes secondhand just by virtue of being part of the space for so long. So let's, let's talk to that change agent a little bit more, which is, um, I've got a lot of audience here where we've got fortune 500 CMOs, but a lot of challenger brands and startup CMOs are listening in and they're looking for, you know, advice from very experienced people like yourself. What advice would you give to businesses looking to just straight up? I got to improve my corporate event experiences. The world is open. I need to up my game. Where do I start? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say it's important that you treat your corporate events and your, uh, your hospitality with the same priority and dedication as other revenue generating and brand marketing activities. You know, for many organizations, especially in the B2B space, but not, not exclusively, you know, experiential is the front line of the relationship experience. You know, once you identify your why and the associated KPIs around that, take the time. Think through the beginning, middle, and end of your guest experience. What do you want folks to, to think about your brand and what's going to ultimately get that done? Get creative, throw everything at the wall and then create a hit list for each stage. I think you'll come back and stand back um, at your whiteboard on that process and you'll be able to back into a more actionable plan with bulleted lists, dates, and times that you can delegate to your team or you can start to chip away at uh, that will be put you in a better place of just, I want this event how do I get there? Right. Um, break it into those three segments, beginning, middle, and end. Think about it from the guest experience. You, a lot of times this process will enable you to just understand or be able to put your thoughts on paper around who your guest is, who your ICP is, um, and what's going to be a win for them and make sure you deliver on it. You got multiple chances to do so, do it early and often, and you'll be in great shape. And when you see deliver on it, it has to be a KPI and some key metrics. If I was starting to justify my event strategy to my peers, uh, my management team, my board, what are some of the key metrics or key performance indicators that organizations should track to show that this event is successful and delivering an ROI? Yeah, um, a bit of a loaded question because it depends on what you're organizationally trying to achieve. But let's say you're you're focused on driving attendance through lower funnel prospects, right? 
this is going to be a lot more straightforward. Let's look at the ROI of metric of choice, right? We're going to look at closed deals, closed revenue, closed EBITDA, et cetera. And based on, you know, if we have access to the data, we are then going to take that a step further and assign a weight to each touch point that led to those lower funnel conversions. We should be able to do this over time. So that event would be just one touch point theoretically against a number of others in your CRM that could have influenced that deal closed, right? Now, if you're on the ABM side of things, more upper funnel, you're looking at targeted lead origination, then you're going to want to be more focused on curating events that drive account engagement, new MQLs, MQAs, form fills, meeting set. Um, and consumer facing brands have completely different KPIs. We want to know how big of a splash can they achieve? The impressions, whether these are earned, owned, paid, uh, they're often the first data point to be reported on. We always want to take that another step. We want to know, you know, what did those impressions yield to? What were the specific calls to action and conversion rates that we had from those impressions? Uh, a lot of times events can be much more direct line attributable than some larger sponsorship and marketing uh, outside of the digital landscape, of course. But, um, you know, it's it's all coming down the line, understanding that from the onset so that when you are creating your event, you're able to make sure that you have the pieces in place, that one hand's talking to the other so that this gets measured accurately, right? You're protecting your data integrity uh, and, and thoroughly and in time so that, you know, no one wants to wait for their reports. You're able to have these dashboards set up in advance and, and then just hit refresh. So everyone knows that making a data-driven decision is often the best decision because data trumps opinion. And you've done some amazing events with Super Bowl champion quarterbacks like Eli Manning. And there's a balance in everything. Sometimes if you always follow the numbers, things could get stale, generic, played over and over again. So creativity or the randomness of life mm -hmm. is sometimes what really shakes people up. And that's what becomes, you know, the viral phenomenon. Like who would have ever thought an out-of-work skateboarder drinking some... uh cranberry juice would just be such a worldwide phenomenon. So how do you maintain a balance between being really creative, which you guys are amazing like that, and data-driven in the data in the decisions you're making for your business and on behalf of your clients? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Jay. Um, it's Maybe I'm wrong. It comes pretty easily on our end. It might not be as hard as you might think. The creativity really comes at every part of the event ideation stage, right? This is a really important process. We want to make sure that everybody feels encouraged to submit free-flowing ideas and concepts for what a specific event could include or comprise of. Um, you know, anything and everything that's possible in today's world. And this includes which celebrity can we get? Where should we host this? What's the latest venue? What does that venue then offer in terms of design and, and guest experience inclusions? Um, this is the fun part of it, right? Like, let's throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, see how much it costs. Let's see how we can optimize that budget and uh, ensure that these things are ultimately going to create a cohesive run of show. Now, once we have the, you know, who, why, what, and when, then our data back decisions come into play. This is when we start to get much more into the weeds on, on the best practices for, all right, registration, right? Where are we hosting registration? How is that data going to be synced? What happens to it after a guest, um, you know, does register? 
when are we hitting them up to make sure that they attend? How often are we hitting them up? Uh, what systems are we using to ensure that they can have a calendar invite? And, and you know, a, a lot of us live out of the the calendar on our iPhones. How are we ensuring that this gets into their, you know, into their calendar on their iPhones? Um, these types of things that we've done time and time again, we want to make sure are utilized and employed against the creative ideas that uh, help make this such a compelling event to begin with. And in closing, Patrick, we've got a lot of up and coming CEOs that look to this content for inspiration for their journey. So let's jump into your personal journey. Obviously, you have an amazing educational background going to NYU. um, But can you share some of your any personal insights or experiences that have shaped your journey as an entrepreneur and as the CEO? Yeah, I think there's um, there's beauty and brevity. So I'll try and be quick and concise on this one is because it's it could be pretty easy to be long winded when you start to talk about yourself. Um, and I'll just I'll, I'll leave it with this. And it's I look up a lot to uh, Mark Cuban. He is this isn't his idiom, but I've heard him say it numerous times. Be slow to hire and quick to fire, right? Quite simply, we would not have had the success we've had without the people behind our brand. And in a lot of ways, we have technology, but we are still a services-oriented company, and our people are our product. We wouldn't be more than a one-client shop if my leadership team and I couldn't trust our team, be able to delegate, and know that the quality assurance is going to be there. So, you know, the right person for the job is worth retaining. The opportunity cost of not doing so is simply too big to bear. So be slow to hire, quick to fire. I always heard of it as hire slow, fire fast, but yours rhymes better. So <laughs> it's when the creative well, comes Pat- Patrick, really appreciate you stopping by Digital Doorways today. Hope to have you on a future episode. Thanks, Jason. This is a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.